Hi, my name is Dr. Beachcraft and welcome to The Void, the show where I have an existential crisis in public and call it a podcast. I wanted to talk to you today about... I have to get the book. Wait a minute. <laughs> I love how all the books were there instead of, except for the right one. It's Regretting Motherhood by Orna Donat. She's an Israeli scientist who's been studying regret in motherhood for over a decade now. I figured it would be an interesting topic, so let's, let us get into it. This episode is not scripted in any way, or uh, I haven't really thought about it, which is a good way to start anything. I don't think the essay format fits me. It's too stiff. I don't like it. So uh, let's just see how this goes and let me know what you think, friends, because uh, now I'm sure you'll let me know. <laughs> so let's just, uh, you know, let's just have a conversation. Okay, so take a second to reflect on the initial feeling you felt when you read the title of this video, this podcast, or... Uh, this book hold that feeling hold it i'll come back to it later oh wait let me tell you how the book is is formatted it's a non-scientific qualitative study which means that the sample group is small and that the results of the study cannot be uh, compressed in like numbers it's about people sharing their experiences so the scientists basically asked a couple of women if they wanted to talk about their experiences with motherhood specifically of them fucking hating it and it led to a very interesting book the book is a perfect mix between these women's experiences, social science, philosophy, and she did it in a way that is very balanced. She's not doing it out of morality. It's just scientific curiosity about the cult of motherhood, basically. I thought it was a very good read. I read it in two hours. It's not a lot of pages, I think 250. It's dry, it's slow, and it's exactly what I love. Books like that I like to call spacious because they don't push you in one direction or another if they're good books. Leave space for my own theories, which is the reason I read. I want to be able to, to integrate what I read into my existing knowledge and then make them all fit together. I have to say I'm not specifically drawn to feminist literature. If I had to choose between a book about patriarchy and a book about survival cannibalism, it's going to be survival cannibalism. <laughs> what, what drew me to this book is that it's very human. Humanity is messy. There's a reality to us that is not pretty. And I think it's important that we acknowledge that. And I love literature that helps us do that because I don't believe in taboos. I talk about everything with the same ease. There's nothing special about these women. And I don't mean it in a mean way. I mean it in the best way possible. There's nothing special about these women. They're just normal women from all walks of life. And um, they hated the hell out of motherhood. They're not special. Why are we so advanced? And are we still so weird about women being negative about motherhood, you know, without being treated like they're wenches from the depths of hell? People uh, kind of hate talking about it, so naturally I love talking about it. We need to talk about that, regardless of your gender. This is not a female problem, this is a people problem. So I want to discuss a couple of these theories. Uh, they're mostly mine, and when they're not, I will say so. So instead of talking about the contents of the book per se, I want to talk about the ideas it left me with. So let's talk about it. My first conclusion was, you know how moms or how parents say, oh, you don't know what it's like uh, it, when it's your own kid, it's different, blah, blah, blah. I have two things to say about that statement. First of all, there are some things we really cannot imagine, like quantum computing, the size of the universe, well-adjusted rich people. People experience children. It's not this otherworldly thing. It's, it's a very human thing that can be imagined. And second of all, by saying it can't be imagined, you invalidate any, everything they have to say about motherhood before they are mothers. It's also erasing your own identity as a non-mother. 
because at some point they were not mothers and themselves had to imagine motherhood for them to decide that it was something for them. And they're also admitting that what they thought motherhood would be and what it is are so completely different that they now have decided that it cannot be imagined. And that is problematic, right? Are we setting mothers up for disappointment because expectations of motherhood are so ridiculous? And that's why we need to talk about this. Because you don't want to feel like you're being scammed into motherhood by enforcing this whole idea that motherhood is only something you can understand when you're there. You're not giving people an honest chance to choose correctly. By not being honest about the experience and how it feels like like enslavement to some women, that's the word they used. If women are never honest to each other about it, is it really a choice? I don't think so. It's just a thought. Women were talking about how they've never talked to anyone in real life about it. And when they did talk about it on forums, they were still spit out. And I was just thinking, why is society acting brand new? People have been hating motherhood for a while. Is no one slightly suspicious that the term wine mom has become a normal term to use? Where do you think that comes from? It's not because moms are not desperate to relax. The first book about the subject was written in the 60s, I believe, by Betty Friedan, who also interviewed women about motherhood. And they were also talking about how miserable they were. Moving to the suburbs is a very 60s thing to do and we still do it. But people moved to suburbia and women became very isolated. Men went to work and women were at home with their children. And that's when the whole meth craze started when housewives were prescribed meth to lose weight and they were having a little bit too much fun. And people are acting like this scientist is the devil herself for talking about this. It's not a new phenomena. The earliest thing I could find about people talking about that they did not like being mothers was in the pre-industrial uh, revolution age when women still went to monasteries. They often did so to avoid being with their children. <laughs> you left your children for the Lord, it was okay. And I'm sure all these women pre-birth control were very relieved to be able to leave those children for a second. It's not new, okay? What is new is the concept of motherhood today. Okay, I'm going to explain. There was a time when there was a shift in our society when we went from being very religious to not being religious. And this influenced everything major leaps in science, inspired art, and it's inspired romanticism in specific were such a big deal. It literally changed how we viewed ourselves and how we view our relationships. So what is romanticism? It's this time where, because God was dead, we started to idolize ourselves. We started to make gods and goddesses of the people in our lives. We started to believe that we could reach godliness by loving each other very hard. Instead of looking for godliness outside, we looked for it in another person. Um, oops. <laughs> but with motherhood, we did the exact same thing. Idealized motherhood or motherhood as we perform it today also originated in the 1800s. Female writers then also illustrated the images in their books. This is basically a very early form of identity management because these women were depicting an idealized reality. It wasn't real. And they painted these pictures or made these illustrations. It's like a snapshot. They left their kids a picture of how they wanted to be seen as mothers. But it wasn't the reality per se. But these images of motherhood together with this whole wave of romanticism in that time basically fucked us over. <laughs> because before this, our relationships were pragmatic. We had sex with someone outside of the house and we took care of the goats and the kids with the person in the house. And all of a sudden we wanted to have romantic love in a prudent way, like have the passion of an affair with the person you run a household with. 
this was crazy. This was unheard of, this new ideology. Even Kierkegaard, you know, the philosopher was like, I don't understand what's happening. I believe in having affairs and I believe in having a household, but together, what the hell is this? And with motherhood, it's the same thing. Before that time, it was just pragmatic. You needed more hands to help on the land. And if, uh, you know, five of your 10 kids died because of the bubonic plague, you'd still have five kids left to help you. No one was talking about kids and fun in the same sentence. Just like people weren't talking about marriage and fun in the same sentence. But it all began there and we're still doing the thing. There was this woman in this book, she was 70 or something. Kids were in their 40s and she was a grandmother and she said, I still don't like it and I feel stuck. And now I have grandchildren I have to take care of because I have to, because she can't show them that she fucking hates the job. But where does this idea come from that time makes it better? Because the job description kind of stays the same. Your child moves through different phases of their lives and moms are backdrop. They always serve the same function. I feel like it's a very unfair lie to tell women that they'll get used to it with time because maybe they will, but maybe they don't. Who knows? Once the baby is born, you'll feel better. No, no. Once the baby starts smiling, you'll feel better. Once the baby starts walking, you'll feel better. Once the baby leaves the house, you'll feel better. Like, what? No, maybe she'll never feel better. Let's just acknowledge that there are women who never feel better. The author said most of the backlash came from people who felt like it is bad for the kids. You know, it's bad for the kids. These women are fucking assholes and they should be hanged. Like, the, the comments were very what you'd expect. The usual, you know? Uh, yeah, she doesn't deserve the whatever the I don't know like pretending like it is the biggest offense when a woman is like yeah I fucking hate this <laughs> I don't agree with these people who say it's bad for the kids I don't think it makes you a bad mom if you hate it guilt is a great motivator maybe that's also something that developed to ensure the continuation of the species which is admittedly a crazy high price to pay but it'll give them a more attentive mom because she'll feel guilty every time she looks away and if they're older, it'll help them humanize their mother. She was not a robot. She was a person who decided to do a thing and uh, had to do the thing for the rest of her life. So I think it's a good conversation to have. I hope that there are mothers out there that when their, uh, you know, teen daughters ask, Mom, do you sometimes wish you never had me? That she can honestly say, yeah, and I'm going to tell you exactly why. And that that is okay. I don't think it's harmful per se, because it's not about the kid. It is absolutely possible to love the hell out of your kids and hate the hell out of motherhood. There's this cool quote. Let me look it up because it's really cool. Wherever an oppressive regime prevails, there is pretense. And I thought that was interesting because there's a reason why moms don't feel comfortable talking about the truth, you know, if they're unhappy with, with motherhood. Making it a taboo to say that you don't, do not like being a mother is oppressive. Treating mothers as if they were never non-mothers. It's just another way to objectify women. Hear me out. It's more than treating her like a piece of meat. She's not allowed to feel anything because objects don't have feelings. She's just wallpaper that life happens in front of. They need to be moved by something and cannot be trusted to move by themselves. Like an inanimate object. By denying women their feelings, you're basically saying you are a thing and you're going to do this job and you're not going to tell us how you feel about it because you still don't get to feel anything. It's just objectifying. It's just 
it, it just never ends, does it? First you get objectified as the maiden, you know, for your body, and then you become the mother, your salt pillar. Your inner life is not regarded at all. That is a problem. Women, you know, like correcting themselves very quickly when they say they, they hate something and they're like, but I love my kids. It's basically them internalizing their objectification and enforcing that they are in fact the mother. That's all they are. There is not a feeling person in there who maybe doesn't enjoy being puked on. It's like the perfect social control, just like religion instilled the fear of hell in people. The patriarchy instilled the fear in women that they're somehow broken if they don't enjoy not mattering anymore. It's the ultimate misogyny. If you think about postnatal depression, for example, men get postnatal depression too. So that kind of throws the whole idea of it only happening to women because of hormones out of the window. It's people pathologizing a completely normal reaction to a pretty traumatic event. I'm not saying postnatal depression is not real because obviously it is real, but you do not have to be severely depressed to hate motherhood. You can hate it without having mental illness. In the book, there was a woman, she just had a baby and she felt like she ruined her life. She thought, what have I done? She cannot be the only one who felt that way. No single thought is autonomous, but she had the guts to tell the nurse and child protective services immediately came to check in to see if she was okay to take the baby home. That's what we're doing to women who are talking about their feelings about such a traumatic event. Gross. We're literally robbing women of expressing a, the wide array of emotions any human would feel when they're holding the rest of their lives in their arms. I don't think anyone believes new moms are having fun. We're all just reacting on automatic pilot. We've been told that it's fun, so we kind of assume it's fun, even though when you look at it, you know it's not fun. Of course they're not having fun. <laughs> We've been told that women enjoy not having a personal space. They enjoy not recognizing their bodies and their minds and their lives because we were not born to belong to ourselves. So the expectation is that we love it when we have to sacrifice everything we are for someone else. Society forces women in a role and then doesn't help them do the role. It's really harsh. A friend of mine was here last week and he's very different from me. I told him that I was about to read this book and he said, well, it's good that women regret motherhood or else there wouldn't be any people. I asked him, would that be bad? Why are you so involved with whether there are people or not in a hundred years? I don't get it. But he has this whole, he wants to be a dad really bad. He'd rather have women walk around with lifelong regrets and have the world be populated than not. That is basically uh, the gist of patriarchy, right? That women's own experiences do not matter. They have a goal to serve and they better fucking serve it. I call this an appeal to naturalism. You know, it's also natural cancer and schizophrenia. So what is your point? I don't think they understand the difference between natural function and conditioned behaviors. Conditioned behaviors are built around natural functions in such a way that we think that the conditioned behavior is part of the natural function. For instance, the Pavlov's bell experiment. Salivating is a natural function. Salivating when the bell rings is a conditioned response. Does that mean that the dog was born to react to a bell? That's stupid, but that's how we treat motherhood. <laughs> it's just this complete conflation of a natural function and a conditioned behavior. Um, those two are, are not the same. Science knows that during a woman's pregnancy, her gray mass shrinks. Her brain is restructuring itself to make sure that it is wired in a way that makes the baby the first priority. But just because she has no choice but to react to her baby because that's what her brain has been prepping her for does not mean 
that she was born to love it. Staying means nothing if you're not free to leave. And society is not giving women an out, not even a psychological out of motherhood that makes it inherently oppressive. Motherhood's biggest image issue is that it's seen as a role instead of a relationship, meaning that it's something that women grow into instead of a, an entity that exists between two people, but outside of two people. That's a very important difference, like motherhood as a role and motherhood as a relationship, because as a role, a bond becomes a noose. Thinking of it as a relationship more than an identity one grows into gives women the space to, to experience all the ambivalence and the complexity that comes with lifelong relationships. Like any other relationship, it bends, it strains, it relaxes, sometimes it breaks. That has many forms over many years. Of course it's going to be complex. To pretend like that ambivalence doesn't exist, like, like there are no moms who are now fantasizing about leaving everything behind and going to Boca Raton is denying the complexity of relationships. Thinking of it as a relationship seems way healthier and less oppressive to women. It doesn't deny their humanity. It doesn't invalidate their inner lives. To tie a bow on it, a lot of people fear that by opening this discussion, we stop women from having kids. But I can tell you, nature will continue to call. But what it will do is give women a whole picture of the house they're about to live in for life, no matter how messy it is, instead of just a small, awkwardly cropped picture of the only clean corner in an upstairs bedroom. I think it's very normal for moms to not love motherhood. I think it's crazier to, to not hate it. <laughs> no one is like, oh yes, not sleeping for years, hurrah. Never having a privacy of mind and always having to cognitively share space with someone else, that's amazing. Even if they're like dicks, if they're like 16 and they're assholes, I still have to be nice, great. Of course it's not fun and they should be allowed to say that. And I think being honest about it instead of like painting this romanticized 1800s picture of a mother is better for everyone. Everyone who chooses to be a mother then has all the information and will not have to deal with the whole idea of motherhood not being anything like the reality of it because like i said this whole idea that motherhood is fun is it's a new enterprise and um if it were a business the marketing is deplorable okay first of all <laughs> the marketing would be shit think about it the idea of the product is fake you get bombarded with it but you have no idea what it is it's like i don't know apple promoting a box for 10 years but never showing you what's in that box there's no trial period but you have to sign for life isn't that horrible that's such a bad business plan <laughs> remember that initial feeling you had why do you think you had those initial feelings and have they changed after this so yeah thanks for listening thank you i hope you enjoyed it let me know what you thought about this format i did my best oh yeah i always forget to I hate asking for things so much that I just don't want to ask you to subscribe. But, you know, if you want to, you can do it, okay? <laughs> if you're listening to this on podcast platforms, follow me on there. Give me a five-star rating because I realize that it helps me move up in rankings. And I'm already moving up in rankings, which is kind of crazy. So thanks for that. Yeah, if there's anything you want me to talk about or to read or whatever, let me know. Have an awesome life. <laughs> or let's start with days. Have an awesome day. I need to go. I'm rambling now. Okay, bye.